Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. What's going on, Bosco's boys are back. Before we get into the show, just real quick, I want to give a shout out to Bet Online. They're the title sponsor for the entire Armchair Media Network, including our show. This is going to help us do some new crossover merchandise, live shows, and expanding into new mediums once life gets a little bit back to normal in the sports world, including but not limited to some YouTube and Facebook live events. And like I said, we're really excited. We hope to be bringing you live and in-person shows this football and basketball season. And that's all thanks to Bet Online. And speaking of the sports world getting back to normal, NASCAR, European soccer, UFC, and golf are all back. And if you want to scratch that gambling itch, go over to betonline.ag. They have all the best props and odds, everything you could want. On top of that, they have live simulated events that you can bet on as well. And a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge for free. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device to check out the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. All right, well, uh, another week, and uh, anyone who's been a longtime listener knows that Grant and I absolutely hate the summer, so the weather this week was absolutely horrible in my opinion. You know, up in the 90s, it truly feels like summer which for a college sports podcast uh, really is the off-season blues. But enough stuff has been happening over the last couple weeks that I'll, I'll touch on some of those news points. Uh, we're going to start off with some K-State football recruiting, but then we're going to touch on some overarching college football and college basketball stuff that will affect K-State and the Big 12 Sadly, Grant is not able to join me, and as I've done a few times in the past, I'm going to go at it solo. Um, My very first dream job as a kid was to be a sports talk radio guy, so uh, when, you know, everything hits the fan, uh, things pop up, instead of trying to scramble or do something weird or do a rebroadcast, I just hop on here and do it myself, Uh, but since I'm doing it by myself, I want anyone to Tweet at Bosco's Boys or at Scott Wildcat. Let me know uh, if you agree with any of my takes or what I'm saying. Disagree. Let's take the dialogue over to Twitter this week since I don't have Grant or any guests to bounce this off of. Uh, But we're going to get into it. At least with K-State football, the biggest news is over the last, uh, when you're listening to this, it'd probably be last uh, week and a half or so, they've gotten two wide receiver commits. Um... 
and especially in a, an offense that doesn't uh, feature the wide receivers as much as some other schools, especially since it's not a hurry up. It is not a throw the ball 30 times a game type of offense. I thought I was very uh, pleased with the quality of recruit they got. The first one is RJ Garcia. He's another Tampa wide receiver. Um, and K-State's building a, a, li- a nice little uh, – I, w- I wouldn't say pipeline. It's probably not – hasn't been going long enough to be a pipeline. Probably three guys isn't enough to call it a pipeline. But when you take into account that Byron Pringles from Tampa Bay and then you have Joshua Youngblood from Tampa Bay and now R.J. Garcia, that's three wide receivers from the same area. And that's uh, fun to see, at least in my opinion. Uh, R.J. Garcia, and credit to Derek Young over at K-State Online. Um, I'm not going to give away a bunch of uh, premium info – uh, that they have over there, but they are running a special. So if you're not subscribed over there, you need to get over there because he has great little nuggets like this one all the time. Um, he's actually been working out with Byron Pringle in Tampa during this whole COVID shutdown. And uh, Florida has a little less restriction than some other states. So they've been out in the field. They've been running routes. Byron Pringle had even said that he runs routes better than anyone he's seen at that high school level already so that is something very exciting uh, to hear when you think about the future of rj garcia he's at the same prep school as well as joshua youngblood so you have to think that uh working out with byron pringle being from the same prep school and talking with joshua youngblood as much as he does um that definitely played a role in him committing sight unseen again with all the recruiting restrictions None of these recruits are able to take any visits. A lot of these commitments are coming from guys who are either local or semi-local who have visited schools quite a bit or they feel such an attachment to you know, the players, the coaches, that they're committing side on scene. R.J. Garcia and I think the next one both fall into uh, that box. So um, between Byron Pringle, between Joshua Youngblood, between Courtney Messingham, uh, you know, the offensive staff recruiting him, he has committed. This guy also is a super, super fast guy, uh, along with that smooth route runner. He gets in and out of his breaks super well. He's 6'1". So even then, you know, he's not as tall as uh, Brennan Hawkins, who we'll talk about here next, but he's still a taller wide receiver than, you know, you might have grown accustomed to. I mean, you think back to all these sub-six-foot wide receivers K-State's had in the past. Uh, so you have this guy who has the speed, who can get in and out of his routes, and he is above that six-foot level. So that was a very good pickup, in my opinion. Uh, they beat out Iowa State and Rutgers as the two Power 5 schools that had offers out to them as well. And then there were some small schools, including some Ivies and some Academy School. So this is a really smart kid on top of having all the athletic ability that he possesses. I think he will be someone who can contribute right away if needed. Will he be a day one starter? No, I don't think so. But I do think that his freshman year in 2021, you're going to see him play at least the four games, maybe even burn his red shirt just like Joshua Youngblood did who played more than any of the true freshmen last year. Uh, Like I said, there were two wide receivers. The other one is Brennan Hawkins. This is the first Texas kid out of this cycle. Texas is always going to be important for K-State. So finally getting on the board in the long 
or yeah, and the Lone Star State is very important. Um, massive body. This kid is 17 and he's already 6'4", 204. So you have a body that K-State has only seen at wide receiver, um, maybe like Chebastian Taylor. There haven't been that many guys who come in with that size right away. There are some folks who even on message boards are, are trying to say maybe he moves to tight end. He has a build. Um, and in his highlight tapes, he actually has like, you know, two minutes of him blocking, uh, which is something you want to see out of a wide receiver at K-State under this Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham offense. Um, but I'm, I'm not so quick to do that. Having a big body who can be on the outside, who can go up and get it. He is the, the best thing about him. And again, I'm a I'm just a Joe Schmo guy when I watch this tape. I'm not a talent evaluator by any means, but he has body control, and when the ball is anywhere near his catch radius, he's bringing it in. And that's exciting to see out of this guy. And uh, in some rivals, so rivals articles and some Texas prep uh, websites, when they talk about this kid, he's someone who really probably got hurt by this whole COVID thing and having all the traditional camps and combines shut down there were multiple articles i found on this kid that had the guy who wrote it talk about how he could have seen some real big time power five offers uh, in the state of texas and nationwide if he was able to show the speed that maybe doesn't translate into his junior year tape um but you know k-state's a benefit from that and we've already seen it with two D commitments. We saw it last month. I do have a little bit of a fear that, hey, especially with Brennan Hawkins, that once the season opens up, once the visits start going, there's gonna, you're, we're going to see a lot more D commitments and a lot more madness during the season than you typically would in a college football recruiting period. So he's one to keep an eye on. Um, I want to keep him. I'm very big-bodied wide receiver. Again, something that there really hasn't been, at least in recent years, recent years, a big history of in at K-State. So I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, they beat out KU and Texas Tech. Again, two offenses that uh, really do throw the ball more, get more plays in any given, any given uh, more plays in any given game. Uh, so it's impressive to get recruiting victories over them. Also, a bunch of the smaller schools in the area as well. So again, I think both those wide receivers are really good gets for the recruiting restrictions that are currently out there. And I continue to be very encouraged by this staff on the recruiting trail. I know it's very easy in the message board and Twitter era. Anytime something goes wrong, you don't get a commitment that you wanted for fans to start complaining and point fingers. And, you know, fans are going to do what they do. I'm not immune to that myself. But I do think when you really start to examine these players that they're bringing in in this class, you're starting to see what this staff can do. And again, is it good enough? To, is it going to? Is it good enough right now to be at a point where you're contending for the Big Twelve year in year out? No, probably not. Not unless this staff is one of the top staffs in talent and development. Once they get in there, I don't think this is good enough to be where I think K State fans want to be, and I think you can realistically hope to be. We've seen in recent times Baylor, TCU. 
in Oklahoma State being that contention year in, year out for a sustained amount of times for, for three to four year stretches. I don't think K-State fans should say we can never get back to that point where you are contending for them every year in a three, four year stretch. Um, and I think they'll get there. I think the recruiting will continue to get better. And I am encouraged to see really how the talent develops year over year from year one to year two. Not having spring practice and having all this madness surrounding uh, you know, summer conditioning and getting ready for summer camp uh, does put a little bit of damper on those hopes. But I, I'm, go- I'm very encouraged in what I'm seeing so far. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about with Grant, and I'll just at least give my opinion, is uh, when it comes to recruiting, especially on the offensive side of the ball, what they want in any given position really is starting to take shape. There's two very specific types of running backs they're going after. I think we're seeing it in, again in, at wide receiver and tight end as well, where you want it, at the – at all three positions, guys who can be game breakers, great athletes with speed that can stretch the field. Uh, for wide receivers, they come in some smaller bodies like Joshua Youngblood, Keenan Garber. Uh, at running back, there's a whole hand, like load of guys that we've seen, kind of like the Jordan Brown types that can be more of a passing game uh, focus who can get outside of the tackles. But then you see guys like Jerkadia Wright and – James Gilbert, who are going to run in between the tackles. You can see with, uh, you know, with guys they're still targeting at wide receiver and Hawkins that there is also this idea of a bigger wide receiver that they also want on the outside. We saw how Sebastian Taylor was used versus Texas Tech. So they also want those guys along with those, you know, super fast game breakers that they put on the inside and they can do gadget plays. And then at tight end, we've seen them recruit two specific different type of guys where you have some that are going to be definitely your patch pass catching, uh, you know, stretch the field passing game type guys. And then you're going to see a more traditional tight end who's more about blocking. We saw, you know, Logan Long, who now is playing offensive tackle, but we saw how they used him at tight end. And then we saw how they used Nick Lenners at tight end. Two totally different skill sets at the same position. And you can see that in how they're recruiting as well. So I'll be very interested to see if they continue to go with this in the future years or if they start saying, all right, now we feel confident with where we are in the Big 12 and start to then just look outside of the mold that they want. Um, I don't know if that's the right thing. I don't know if that's the wrong thing. Or maybe I'm trying to make a talking point out of absolutely nothing. But I have started to see a formula of those skill position guys where it's one thing or another. Um, So we'll see if that continues to be the case moving forward. Um, A couple, you know, more national type news stuff when it comes to college football. K-State falls under this in the Big 12. They're going to allow in-person workouts with strength and conditioning with restrictions, of course, starting on June 15th. All Big 12 teams are starting this except for Oklahoma. They're not starting until July 1st. Uh, The SEC and Big Ten schools, a lot of them are starting their in-person workouts uh, on the 8th when you guys are listening to this. So it is exciting to see 
college football on the horizon. There was a point in time where I did not think there was any chance we were going to get a fall season. Now I'm to the point where I think something drastic would have to happen for us not to see that. So it is exciting to see. But it's also very interesting to see how all the different conferences are handling this. This is part of what makes college football so maddening and so amazing at the same time. You have all these different conferences that are doing their own rules. They're basically making it up as they go, and there is no overarching governing body. Yes, the NCAA is a rule enforcement body, but because the NCAA doesn't really have any say in the bowl system, they don't have any say in crowning the national champion, Mark Emmert can't just come out and say, hey, you guys can't all be... Everyone has to start on the 15th, or you can't start before the 15th. No, because of how this all went down, every individual conference was making their own rules surrounding these, you know, voluntary workouts and these strength and conditioning things. So it has been interesting to see how different parts of the country handle uh, COVID-19, how different conferences have handled some of these rules. And just because conferences have these rules, we've seen then seen different institutions uh, do things differently. Oklahoma not starting until July 1st. I think Michigan State is starting July or uh, June 8th, but Michigan might not be starting until July 15th. It's crazy how different everything's going. And again, it's maddening, but that's kind of what makes college football a lot of fun. Like I said, K-State's starting on the 15th. I think physicals are starting to happen. Folks are starting to get back into campus. I believe Testing has started at K-State. I'm not sure if it has, but the scary side to all of this, again, we all want college football to happen, but here's the scary side of it. Schools are starting to test. Oklahoma State and Alabama notably have had positive tests with their athletes already. This is where we could run into trouble as college football fans and if we want that fall season. I said Something drastic or dramatic would have to happen for it not to come this fall. Well, this could be it. When these tests happen, schools need to have a procedure of how they're going to handle it. Again, because HIPAA, because you know college students, how they're handling stuff. I don't know if we'll ever get the full details, but I'm hoping K-State in every school when it comes to this has a plan in place and they're not just going to make it up and come up with it as they go when they get positive tests. Because I'm going to say this, every single college football team at some point in the next six months is going to have multiple, not one, probably not even two, but three, four, five, multiple confirmed COVID tests throughout the season because that's just the nature of this virus. I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to do the whole, oh, it's the flu, any of that jazz on this podcast. No. Grant's the medical professional between the two of us anyways. I'm not going to get into that. It's not a good thing. But you can't just treat it like, you know, a bruise. You can't just rub dirt on and get, get back out there. Because of the nature of how contagious this is and how it's affected parts of this population, you have to immediately go into isolation. If there isn't a good plan and then a plan to retest anyone who's been in contact with the confirmed case, that is what could screw college football up. Even if you're not buying into 
how dramatically this can affect someone, this disease. You, in your, but you're a football fan. You have to hope that everyone's taking as much precaution as possible. So it'll be interesting to hear all the different stories popping up as players are coming from all throughout the country back to you know, their facilities, how they're getting tested, and how schools handle it. So I'll be interested to know if we ever do find out um, how K-State handles it. There'll be a confirmed test. I guarantee there'll be confirmed tests. Uh, but will it go public? And will they go public with what the plan is if a student athlete or coach or trainer tests positive? So um, we'll see. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. So um, if the news ever pops up, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to hear how K-State handles it. Um, the final bit of college football news is the NCAA, while I just talked about how they don't really have much say in how conferences operate they are able to set schedules they did change something the football oversight committee in the ncaa did say that instead of the traditional four week camp period leading up to the first game week they're going to extend it by two weeks for coaches to have those extra time uh, for conditioning and practices. It will not be, and again, I, can't, I couldn't find the exact amount of time, but it will be reduced from their normal weeks of fall camp practice. So I think, you know, I, uh, man, I, I don't want to throw numbers out that, that are wrong, but I think in fall camp you can practice for like 20 hours a week during fall camp. I think the two weeks leading up to it, it'll be 10 that both of those sound a little high. I'm not quite sure, but it's a reduced amount of time for those two weeks, mainly to get the coaches around the players since most everyone didn't get to have spring ball. Um, summer conditioning has been drastically changed. So that has been extended. I think that's a good thing, being able to get that extra time to give these players as much buildup to get ready for the season. So it's right around the corner. It's going to be here before you know it. A month from now, we'll be two weeks away, which is just a fancy way of saying, hey, we're six weeks away from you know, some camps starting to open up. So um, hopefully all the schools are taking the proper precautions when they're getting back and starting strength and conditioning. Uh, otherwise, we're going to risk not having any – any college football. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen. Um, but it's crazy. It, it really is a crazy world we're uh, living in, especially as sports fans. Um, a little uh, college basketball before we leave. Again, nothing specific to K-State, but it's something that I think all K-State fans are interested in. Um, last week, I think it was either on Thursday or Friday, the NCAA came out and levied punishments tied to the FBI scandal to a Big 12 school. And no, it's not KU, which everyone's waiting for, and it eventually will happen, but it's Oklahoma State. Um, this all goes back to Lamont Evans, who, ironically enough, holds a degree from K-State. He was a former K-State grad assistant under Bob Huggins and assistant coach under Frank Martin. He went to South Carolina with Frank Martin, came to Oklahoma State with Brad Underwood, where, well, He's going to federal jail for three months for the crimes he committed. And then the NCAA took what came out in his trial, in the trial, and they 
hit Oklahoma State way harder than I expected. I, I thought maybe they would get some probation. But Lamont Evans is getting a 10-year show cause penalty, which basically means he's not going to coach in college basketball for at least 10 years after he gets out of federal prison. And let's be real, 10 years, he's probably done. He'll never coach in college basketball ever again. And then the NCAA gave Oklahoma State a one-year postseason ban. So guess what? With that great recruiting class they have coming in, They will not be able to go to the NCAA tournament or NIT or I think even Big 12 tournament in 2021. They're going to be placed on probation for the next three years, which means they are going to get hit even harder if something comes out in the next three years about, oh, how they just so happen to get one of the top five recruiting classes in 2020. I'd be nervous uh, about that probation period if I'm an Oklahoma State fan. And over the next two years, they're going to have to have a three scholarship reduction. So that means over the next two seasons, they have to have three total scholarships go unused. I don't know what their current scholarship situation is, but chances are if they're full right now, that means in the 2021 season, or the the 2021-22 season, um, they're going to have to play with only like nine scholarship guys, uh, which is which is going to handicap them. I think there's also some recruiting restrictions put out there. So this might be a blow that really hurts Oklahoma State. I'd be surprised if we see Oklahoma State in the tournament, uh, you know, any time in the next four or five years, uh, which is a tough break for them because of, you know, that recruiting class that came in. There's a chance the NCAA might, might even grant waivers for those kids to get out of their letters of intent. So that'll be something to watch. And I think, uh, when you see how hard Oklahoma State got hit for a single level one violation, the question then comes, how hard is KU going to get hit? Which I know K-State fans are foaming at the mouth thinking about. They have five level one violations. They're fighting the NCAA tooth and nail. Oklahoma State cooperated the entire way, and they even gave themselves some of those penalties. So if that's how hard they're going to get hit with one level one cooperating, KU is dragging their feet they're threatening to sue. They're putting up all this red tape in hope that they can stop the NCAA from hammering them over five violations. I I tell you what, I would if I, if I was a KU basketball fan, I would be worried right now. I think there is at least a moderate chance that you're going to see a multi-year NCAA tournament ban. I think you can see uh, some wins and banners being vacated. I think Curtis Townsend... I think he needs to thank his lucky stars every day he gets a check from the University of Kansas because I think he's going to get hit with a show cause penalty. I think, I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen to Bill Self, but I I would be surprised if Bill Self uh, coaches another NCAA tournament game for KU. Um, There's a chance if they really want to get into the legal weeds that they could tie this up in court and they could go to the tournament next year, this upcoming season. Um, But man, I tell you what, I I think Bill Self may have seen his last tournament. I don't think that's because of a show cause. I think KU is going to get a multi-year ban. And I think that he is going to then use that as an opportunity to jump ship and finally uh, test the NBA waters. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. I've been wrong about a lot of things. So, 
Um, I wouldn't be taking, you know, my guesses to Vegas and betting on them by any means. But it'll be something interesting to follow. And it is, um, you know, you you do have to wonder what K-State's fate would have been like, uh, you know, had Frank Martin stayed a little longer with Lamont Evans if they would have gone a different direction than Bruce Weber. Um, A lot of folks are, you know, fine with that, you know, cheat to recruit and win more. Um, I don't know if that's my position at all. I want to see us bringing guys in. I think Bruce is, at least he's found his stride. He's brought in, you know, a top 25 class by not cheating. He's well-renowned in the college basketball world as one of the guys who has always done it right. So um, we'll see if that can get him one more Big 12 title. We'll see how that treats him for the rest of his career. Um, but I don't think you have to worry about, you know, violations, NCAA violations, as long as Bruce Weber's there. Um, that's all I have for this show. Again, it's a little on the shorter side. I got to, you know, play the solo voice card and uh, just rant with you guys for about a half hour. But like I said, uh, tweet at me. Let me know uh, where you guys think I'm wrong. Am I being too optimistic over these wide receiver recruits? Uh, am I wrong? Do you guys think that this football recruiting staff is not doing enough? Um, what about all, all the precautions? What do you think about the COVID-19? Are they bringing back players too soon? Did they? Could they have brought them back even earlier? Do you have confidence in these different teams and institutions to handle positive tests the right way so we can have a football season? Uh, what do you think is going to happen to KU? Did Oklahoma State deserve uh, those penalties? Uh, let me know what you guys think. Uh, you know, tweet at me at Bosco's Boys at Scott Wildcat. Let me know what you think, and then hopefully we're going to uh, get Grant back on next week, and we'll see uh, what rest of the off season has. Um, we love you guys. Meet Grant at the Cathead, and uh, stay safe out there. Sports Social Podcast Network.